The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Well, welcome to Amplified. We are in, uh, I'm in California, Andreas as well, and we just found out our, our guest today, who is going to be fixing the show and getting accountability, uh, is not able to be with us because uh, of some travel issues and rerouting on his flight, so we're going to create a show that's directly and completely about Andrea, and ironically, this show is about accountability and having all kinds of things in place. So for all of you who've been following us on social media and have been looking forward to this big show, I apologize, but uh, we'll start off with Andrea giving her bio. <laughs> well, you know enough about me, you could have given it. But you know what, we'll do this. Because you know, we talk about accountability when we talk about, like, Marcus is going to talk to us about fixing things and fixing it. You know, all of you that are listening and everybody in the world knows that every time, anytime anybody plans everything, all to always go right. Sometimes the universe does those things on a total dime and makes things happen that you don't expect to and don't anticipate. And the ability to have adaptability and flexibility to be able to handle it and be professional in the moment and make things happen, I think is a perfect example. So while I think it's, uh, you know, unfortunate that he couldn't be with us because of the plane, it's actually a really great opportunity for um, us to share some things with you about how you can really boost your ability with social media and publicity and all of that. So those of you who don't know, uh, my name's Andrea Adams-Miller, and I own the Red Carpet Connection. It's a PR agency. I've been very fortunate to have uh, been in the news from CNN to uh, E! News to uh, Gene Simmons' Family Jewels uh, to um, uh, episode on 2020 and and so forth. And uh, what I've done in the last... um, seven or eight years here is I really get behind other people's businesses to help um, elevate them and support them so that they can really lift their businesses to be able to do more and be more and be more present in the world and really show great authority and great credibility and to be able to be present and show up in more places at more time and have a great relationship with the media and with uh, fans and so forth. So I'm actually really excited to talk to all of you about some things that, um, I never even thought about having me on the show before, so sometimes when things just happen, well, you just go with it, and I'm actually really glad because it's stuff and information. We can give you really high content that's all free for you to use and things that uh, can help leverage you to really amplify yourself in your own life. Okay, and so when did you learn how to do publicity? Uh, tell your story, um, uh, the entire story you have about your childhood and uh, what led you to it. 
<laughs> well, um, so it's not so much my childhood, but uh, anyhow, I've always been in service. I've been a person of uh, that takes leadership and service organizations or for nonprofits. And so I've always stepped up to take care of other things for other people, um, whether, um, you know, they were busy or they had a lot of things to manage or they, um, you know, where the organization needed to achieve more, make more money or do whatever. I would take on those responsibilities as an act of service to be able to help make that message and carry it out further. And so I was very involved with a lot of philanthropy as a young person and was involved in law enforcement and then um, also did a lot of theater. And through that, I started doing things to make sure that people got noticed in the media, whether it was the American Association of University Women, which I did a lot for and was on their state board and uh, was the vice president of membership for and then won some awards for to business and professional women to... Um, doing a lot and getting acting awards in the theater, and I also used to run their editorial magazine and um, put that out both um, in print and online. And so I already had this uh, natural ability to do these things. And then when I went to college as a non-traditional student, I got my um, undergraduate in uh, law enforcement and my uh, master's in public health and mass communication, and then um, all but my dissertation and uh, Ph.D., uh, so all but dissertation there in um, the area of mass communication, a minor in epidemiology, and in public health, uh, community services, and education. So taking all this information to be able to spread it out all over the world was always a key focus for me because I like to bring attention to things that import, that are important to the world so that they really make a difference and they really, really matter. And so that's what led me to um, start. Uh, originally, my business was um, Ignite Your Relationships, and I still own that business where I have help people that are in relationships who have conflict to continually have great communication so that they can continue to talk to each other, love each other, and know when to move forward and when to fix things and when not to fix things. And um, from that, I got a lot of media publicity. Um, I I come from a really small community in Finley, Ohio, 47,000. And so it was always really funny because people thought I lived in LA or in New York City, and I was able to manage and get into all these things and um, all these outlets and to be have a lot of light shown on me for the things that I was doing for relationships for celebrities and um, high-end executives and CEOs and so forth. And so when everybody said, hey, Andrea, how do you, you know, how do you get on 2020? You know, can you help me with that? Uh, so it was about eight, nine years ago, people were asking me. And so I did a shift and started helping other people do that too. And that's really my passion now where I really want to get behind other people. And I love people so passionately and love their mission so passionately that sometimes I want things for them that uh, even more than themselves. Um, and, and, and I love that. I love that ability to get behind somebody and to find different ways to help lift that and help it maximize and amplify whatever it is that they're doing. So for like example, you know, with Ken, um, the Keep Smiling movement, I got super excited about it and, you know, wanted to tell more people in the world about that because he's doing great things with, uh, you know, the Keep Smiling movement and the book and everything that they've been doing in multiple languages and so forth. Uh, that's just something that's really excited. So I got interested in it as well and let's see, hey, how can I help do that? Um, and as well as other um, Amy Jordan, who's a client of mine with the Victory Dance Project, I'm actually meeting her out in L.A. tonight because uh, we're part of a documentary, so we'll be filming some 
video tonight and talking about her. And she is a woman who got ran over by a city bus. She's this beautiful choreographer and dancer whose um, life was almost taken away. And she um, has severe vision issues. And her one leg was so mangled that they thought she'd never walk again. But she's not only walking and pers- and making her life grand, but this year she has her third year of doing this uh, victory dance project with celebrities and this wonderful dance choreography with people from all over the world who um, have been in Broadway musicals for like Hamilton and The Lion King and Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and Wicked that are all these professional dancers that she's choreographed all these dances and she's actually going to be dancing for the first time herself this year as well. And I'm, I was uh, very excited uh, at one point to know that, um, you know, Ken was on board to be a sponsor for that uh, as the Umbrella Syndicate and to take pictures and help her spread her message all over through a viral social media campaign as well. So tonight, being able to be part of that documentary will be a really big deal because it's one of those things that we can show that she's this beautiful woman who overcame this unbelievable challenge. And um, if I had known uh, that everything was going to fall in place like that, I would have had Amy on tonight, but I had her plans for a future a future show because she's out here as well, but she's actually in a meeting. So I actually did try to call her and she wasn't available, but she's this amazing woman and she's got a book out and she has all these great things going on. And she's somebody that you just want to love on and show the world that this woman's not only great, sexy, talented, beautiful, smart, but she also wants to show that um, you can make a disability sexy because she's a great, attractive, wonderful woman who's so intelligent. And so those are the things I like to get behind. So you met a, a gentleman this morning, very sure, in L.A., and it was kind of interesting running into you back-to-back meeting with very short. Uh, talk about how that meeting changed your life, what you learned about very short, um, what you think of his Key Smiling movement, and all the events you brought the Key Smiling card to and how they've impacted all those events, those people, including Jason Freeman. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yeah, actually, uh, Jason's, uh, that, that was ironically funny as well. So, um, so those of you listening, so uh, you may not have known that for over the last year, I've been supporting uh, Ken with um, things as a strategic business partner. So it's a separate business and a separate entity. Um, I was providing some other, uh, what do you want to call them, other values to clients and things as far as publicity and information to be able to push that information out through the world. And one of the things that I was able to do is uh, Ken had asked me to uh, cover some events where I was able to go and be out of the country and, and, and through the United States as well and take pictures of the Keep Smiling movement. So Barry Shore is this absolutely adorable man. Um, he, he has this great big long walking stick and he's just He's just so charming and so lovable that you just instantly fall in love with him. And his, he started this, you know, Keep Smiling movement that Ken's told you guys about before. And, well, I mean, actually, it's called the, the Daily, the, my brain is on a blank, the Daily Smile. And he is so absolutely wonderful. And the Keep Smiling movement actually was a term that Ken came up with for that. And when he and I were talking this morning, you know, his Barry's, desire is that everybody around the world has a smile on their face and can get through anything, no matter how challenging it is, and that they can smile through it. I mean, it was just so uplifting and so amazing, and it couldn't have been the most 
poignant moment to be able to sit with somebody like that. So ironically, this morning, uh, so Ken and I were covering event an event this weekend called the Flight Club, which Ken was invited to, and I went as a support person to help with. And uh, the Flight Club, by the way, is this amazing group of people, Glenn Ledwell um, and Alexandra I, I believe it's pronounced Katani. She, uh, they have this great business with, um, and great mastermind of bringing this top 1% of people together to be able to share great information and be able to really work together at a higher niche to bring everybody's business to a higher playing level. And it was really uh, an honor to see Ken speak at this event. He was invited to come in and speak and share about that as well. And so, he was in San Diego and I was in San Diego for this event, but we've been really busy. And although we've been wanting to have a strategic meeting, I had a list of things that I wanted to do. And one of them was to talk to him about meeting with Barry Shore, who I was supposed to meet last week. And, uh, because of traffic and so forth, we weren't able to meet the time schedule and only had like 15 minutes together. So we were like, okay, let's not meet. We'll meet this week. So, I even offered to Ken to drive him to L.A. because I said I have meetings in L.A. when he said, no, he already had plans. So sure enough, I walk up to this like coffee bean restaurant and imagine my surprise. I mean, literally just awe-shocked, hysterical to see Ken sitting at the table with Barry Shore and they're having a meeting. And so Barry, of course, is unbeknowing. He knows me and he knows Ken and he knows that we've been doing some work together as strategic business partners. So when Ken uh, was done talking with them and they left, Barry's like, oh, I'm so excited to be able to follow up with the second part of what you can do here for the Keep Smiling movement. So what we did is we talked about, because, um, you know, Ken does the books and stuff with him, and that's why I've been taking these pictures as well all over the world now that Ken has the book in uh, 16 different languages. And um, I, I'm very excited to be able to help spread that even more. Smiling is a big deal to me. Uh, as a child, I had an aunt who was three years older than me, and she, when she would laugh or smile, she would cover her mouth with her hand because she was embarrassed because her teeth were crowded and a little overlapped in the front. And that always really bothered me um, in my late, you know, early, late teens that this beautiful aunt of mine, this beautiful, beautiful woman, was ashamed of her imperfect smile. And I loved her so much and wanted her to feel proud of it. And um, me saying imperfect leads me to another interesting coincidence, and I'll loop back around to Barry Shore in a moment, is that oh, a couple of years ago, I met a gentleman named Jason Freeman, and uh, Jason and I met very briefly, and over the years, we've met periodically off and on by talking on Facebook Messenger, which I absolutely love that you can meet people all over the world and become friends with them through Facebook Messenger. And, oh, about a year or two ago, I think it was two years ago, I made a joke that I needed someone to take me for a walk because I wanted to be healthier and nobody locally wanted to go on a walk and I wanted to walk and talk at the same time. Well, Jason volunteered. And so Jason was to be my walk buddy and go walking with me. Well... So I reached out to Jason because I was going to be in San Diego because we've not met since that few brief moments that we met a couple of years ago. And I had breakfast with him the other morning. So I'm eating breakfast with him. And he says um, what he's doing and asks me while I'm, why I'm in town in San Diego. And I tell him, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I am so super excited. He goes, I absolutely love Ken Rashawn. He's been trying to get a hold of me for weeks. And I'm like, son of a dog. I said, well, if I would have known... Ken would have been invited here to breakfast. I just thought he was, he was very busy with some other things he had going on, so I didn't know. But anyhow, we were able to talk about it. He has a new book coming out called um, Awkwardly Awesome, and 
he is just this amazing guy who wants to show the world that it's, you know, it's your, your, your imperfectness is the best thing that you have to contribute to the world, which also loops back around and ties to Amy Jordan, who I just talked about. So you can hear the synergy between the things that like Ken's amazing at and really wants to help people with. So uh, one of the things that Ken and Jason have been talking about doing is how to take his book and push it out so that people all over the world see it because Jason is this amazing, amazing man who has a cerebral palsy and his cerebral palsy causes him to have a, a speech impediment and uh, he used to be very ashamed of his voice. Well, one of my missions is to make sure everybody in the world has the platform to share their voice. So when I said that to Jason and Jason told me his voice story, we literally sat at breakfast and cried together because it was so poignant and so important to him that he have a voice. And he was so enamored by the fact that that was so important to me because as a child, I felt like I didn't have a voice. So it was just so, I mean, I'm, I'm just so proud of talking about Jason right now. It was just absolutely amazing. So then when him and, uh, when Ken and Jason are able to speak again and, and talk about, you know, fulfilling that objective of getting out in the world, it's just a magical, you know, synergy of how things are kind of working. So let me loop around back to very short. So here we are again at this accidental meeting, have no freaking clue that, you know, Ken is going to be there. And so uh, Ken and them left because they had um, other, they need to get to the airport. And so I'm sitting there with Barry, and then he's like, how do we take this one step further? And so in sitting with him, we were able to see that there were some platforms and some areas on the table that had not been addressed by anybody as far as publicity and media coverage and um, perpetuating this ability to put keep smiling in the hands of millions of people. So they have this card that says keep smiling. And the best part about this, and Ken definitely can attest to this, is when you hand somebody a keep smiling card, no matter what their situation, whether they're sad, uh, you know, whether they're um, just busy or, you know, looking at something else, whether they're celebrity or just the neighbor next door, and they give you that big cheesy awesome grin while they're holding that card, it is an actual genuine smile that just lights you up and smiling is contagious. I mean, the idea to be able to see that and spread that love and passion on really goes in along in alignment with all I ever wanted in the world. All I ever wanted was to be loved and to be appreciated and to be smiled upon. And so if I know I felt that way, I know millions of people felt in the way, feel that way in the world. And so Ken, would you share, you know, I don't know if people know why you got so motivated to help Barry. So uh, what, what I know about Ken and his response to Barry is, you know, he loves this idea that he's able to capture all these people and all these celebrities and all these influencers, and he puts them together in this book so that they can outshine, like, what's going on in the world and really show people the dynamics of who they are and what they have to serve um, by putting who they are and just their smile, their gift in a book together collectively that aligns all these different like people together. And I've been very honored to, uh, to be, at least I'm in two of the books, I think just two of them, maybe three. And that is a huge honor for people. And uh, there is another book coming out too, a Celebrity 3.0 that at one point I was helping Ken to pull more people on and we're actually looking for sponsors to be a part of that so that people uh, can have their book, you know, be the sponsor of that book, then you are the person who's really elevating that to that highest level, that you're there and that you're spreading everything out to the world and that you're putting this Keep Smiling card in more hands in front of more people so that 
you know, maybe we get beyond the point of millions that it actually becomes billions. And another thing that's kind of funny this morning, uh, so when I met Barry, part of it was a surprise as a gift to, to show Ken as a strategic business partner. I like to provide a gift to people all the time. I'm always looking, how can I bring more to the, more to the table? I want to be appreciated and loved for being so open-hearted and gifted that I want to bring more all the time. And part of that was I'd known at one point that Ken had said he was interested in doing a documentary. And I've wanted to do a documentary for years. And when we talked a couple of weeks ago, I said, I, you know, I had some proposals and stuff listed out. Well, what I didn't know is that Ken was already talking about doing a documentary with somebody else. So it was really awesome to be able to sit down and talk with Barry about if Ken's able, uh, as he's able to pull that project off with this other person, that what kind of support can be given to create this as like a cult message and that I say cult in a very positive way so that elevates people so that they're hearing all about this ability to keep smiling all the way around the world, no matter what country or what language you're in, that keep smiling is recognized as something that's all over the world. So how did you meet Marcus Nichols? Um, Well, I actually have never met Marcus face-to-face. What happened is that I was at an event uh, with a client who was presenting at a certain uh, corporate uh, business meeting, and he was presenting to them on how they can really change the course of their business with the way that they word things within the media and in the world. His name's Emerson Brantley. He's an absolutely amazing writer. Ken's known him for at least three years. I've been friends with Emerson for five. So... Emerson Brantley here is teaching this wonderful corporate message on how all the people in the room can take whatever it is that they have in their message and word it such a way with using um, different language skills that creates this attraction so that other people want to jump on board and want to be able to share those messages. So while I was there, I spoke with this woman named Brenda, who is a young woman who's had breast cancer multiple times. And excuse me, I might be wrong on the breast cancer. No, it is breast cancer multiple times. And here she was trying to overcome all these challenges. And she found this, and she was worried that she was going to die. And so for a year, she took off work and worked nowhere and traveled all over. She only had the money to travel all over California. But she traveled all over California, came back, and her first job was with this company. And in working with this company, she was blessed to find out that all this ability that she had to be able to do social media. The company, by the way, is called Partners in Leadership. And Partners in Leadership is a strategic partner for multiple corporations and multiple businesses to help them get their messages out as well, Um, like through Inc. Magazine and through Forbes and through columns and so forth like that. So it was so exciting to be able to talk to her because part of her job was to um, give more information out about and help Marcus be on more platforms and more stages. But part of her job was also to help create the synergy for creating more uh, media coverage and social media coverage. So it fit right in line with what, you know, what Ken, the host of the show, is doing and what I do as, um, as a strategic business partner with a publicity. So when I was talking to her and talking to Marcus, which I'm so disappointed that he couldn't be on. So his book is called Fix It getting accountability right, and let me, I'm just taking it out of the box right here right now. When we started talking about Marcus and the company, the company itself, they've had multiple books um, called The Oz Principle, and if you ask around in the corporate world about The Oz Principle, most people are like, oh yeah, The Oz Principle. They've heard about it, you know, this whole idea of, 
you know, when you think about Oz and the Wizard of Oz and who's your belief and who Oz is and how does your life work and what your belief is and who might really be behind there that's maybe more powerful or not than what you think. You know, what are, what are your beliefs versus the perception of what's out there? Well, they ended up coming up with another book. There's five authors in it, but one of them is Marcus Nichols, and it's a fix-it, Getting Accountability Right, 240 Solutions to Your Toughest Business Problems. And... Um, it's um, got a foreword by Ginger Graham, who's the CEO and Harvard faculty uh, faculty for entrepreneurship. And this book has been really based on workplace accountability studies that involved over 40,000 participants. And since the Oz Principle was a New York Times bestseller, you know, it only made sense that we should have Marcus on and talk about this um, great program and the platform of what he brings to the table about you know, how to run a listening marathon, about, you know, making sure that you fall as the leader, you know, you lead people and you have meetings with them. And um, like right here, I just pulled open a page and he talks about mean what you say. Now, that's a meme I just put up the other day. My husband always says, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say. I'm sure he's not the only person who says that, but it's really important to him. And, you know, some of the other things that he was talking about is like accountability trait number 14, staying above the line by not blaming others. That, you know, is this a, if you need to fix it, is this a straight of clear strength of people in your organization? And is this a clear strength of the team leaders? So it talks about, you know, what do you do for accountability to make things happen as a team? And, well, even Ken, you, you, your quote in the Keep Smiling book is about there's, you know, no I and me, but there's a me and team. And so, you know, those things, when we talk about, you know, working all together, it just made perfect sense to have Marcus on. So I'm looking forward that he'll be able to be on again when we can make sure he doesn't have any flights that day. Yeah, or we can just have a backup guest or a second guest uh, that can help pick up the slack. I know so, that uh, and we, and we normally do, and, since we, and we normally do. So it's a wonderful, uh, you know what, as... As a strategic business partner, let me use myself as an example. So what Ken is clearly saying is that the backup plan that I normally have of having a second guest on, in this case, would have been absolutely apropos because we had no idea that Marcus wouldn't be on the plane. And and what I have done, and I have no shame in saying that publicly it happens, you know, all of us, we make mistakes because Ken and I were both at the fight flight club, I thought, oh, great, we'll talk about the flight club. There's so many things that we can talk about and so many people, and we have so much to share with Marcus that we'll be able to cover that. And there are times when people fail, and a failure is not necessarily a negative. It just means we didn't have that backup yet. But now we have this ability to share what it is that makes things better and makes things right and makes things perpetuate in the world that are even better. So, you know, as we go into our second half hour, you know, we can talk clearly about some things with publicity and, you know, when, and social media that make everything better and that can really show how Ken's really stepped up as a leader in his business and me as a strategic business partner, how I can build to support that and what that's happened in the past and what that can look like forward and how people work with multiple strategic partners to make everything work because you can never have enough people on your team, the more people that all work together, the better everything is. Okay, well, we're going to cut to break now. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Be- 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. All right, welcome back, and we are ready for an exciting second half. Uh, Life is fortuitous and... Uh, spontaneous at times. So we uh, had an amazing meeting with Wayne Pettigrew, who's uh, the founder of Fatherhood 101 and Fatherhood One. And we are actually doing a book together called Fatherhood. Are we calling it Guide or are we going to call it <laughs> Shortcuts? Wayne, I think we're leaning towards shortcuts, right? I think we're leaning to shortcuts because all men want a shortcut. That's right. So it's a 50-book challenge on how to step up your game in the area of fatherhood. And I met Wayne through the Gentleman Project. Uh, Kirk was our, uh, our bond, our connector, and I had made a promise that I would write a book to my son, and I wrote a book called The Father-Son Bond, and Wayne got a copy of that. He was kind enough to call me, and uh, we had a brainstorming session, and next thing we knew, we were uh, four months into a conversation on how we could actually create a guide, which would be a shortcut for 
dads who want to know answers and want to find somewhere in the book that actually addresses the, the challenges they're having. And uh, Joyce has been, Joyce Nelson has been the glue to actually cause this project, this vision and concept to actually turn into a reality. So what did you think of that meeting last night? It was, it was great. Uh, the synergy from all three of us was really moving. I wish I could have you in the same place with me, you know, at least once a month, three of us. Yeah, it was, it was magical. I was thinking how crazy it is that uh, if I hadn't uh, gone to CEO space and met Kirk and uh, got to know his gentleman project, then that's going to be a basis of actually how you utilize the, the guide is the journal journal with your son or daughter. Uh, he, he journals with all five of his kids, and it's a, it's a really cool process. And when Kirk talks about how he came up with his vision, he gets very choked up, and uh, he, he really almost can't finish his presentation because it affects him emotionally so much. But he says he, he was just jolted one day when it, one of his sons says, what is a gentleman? And, and he was like, gosh, if I failed that much as a father, have I been that disconnected as a father that um, they don't know one of the most important traits that I want to teach them to grow up to be? And so he made a, a conscious effort to come up with something that ended up being a journal, a leather-bound journal book, which he gives to anybody that is uh, having challenges with fatherhood or, or just, just to be a kind soul. He's really changed so many people's lives with this uh, leather-bound journal. That's what's been so great about this because <clears throat> I met Kurt through another group of friends that was doing something else for fatherhood, and that Matt guy named Matt Casto that had a thing called The Journey to Manhood, and that was for a little bit older. So we found in the last four years that there's so many groups, but the problem was nobody knew about them or a book somebody wrote. Nobody knew about them, and that's how we came to Fatherhood One, was we want to give those shortcuts, those, those ways to do things, to more fathers, to encourage them, give them this knowledge. Because the last time we all checked, when my kids were little, and, and it's like they didn't come with this rule book or scorecard or an assembly of parts, like most things that men deal with. And so we said, well, what if we gave it to them? And that's what this new book's about. It's giving them a, a different set of, set of, how do I assemble this? Here's one guy's idea. We brought numerous authors into this fatherhood guidebook because it's all these things. Well, one size doesn't fit all, but <clears throat> if we do a collective in this in the father guide, you can pick which things you want to use. From, you know, oh, yeah. uh, Jay Polito wrote 52 Things All Dads Should Know, and Meg Meager wrote Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Ken Canfield uh, has a book called Seven Secrets of Effective Fathering. Uh, there's a great, wonderful book by uh, Ian Thomas. He's a retired NBA player that wrote Fatherhood Rising to the Ultimate Challenge. It's not any one of these that's got the secret or everything, but it's the ability for you can go reach back and find your situation. And when you find your situation, you're encouraged and you got a little tip here. And sometimes it's taken a tip from every one of these situations that changes not just your child's life, but your life. When you find out, you can do it. We have a saying that when, when we first start this, the first thing you change is your child's life. The second thing is your own life. And the more you're involved with other fathers that are involved with their children, your community changes, your family changes. And it is a collective fatherhood movement that we're involved in. 
I think it's interesting that I had read uh, earlier uh, last year about a gentleman who put up a 50-book challenge. It was just a, a, a challenge to enrich your life and have a more well-rounded uh, approach to relationships and business. I think it was more business. But when he, when he landed that challenge and you have a whole year and you're basically knocking a book out a week, it, it hit me. And I was like, man, that'd be so cool because so many authors have these brilliant books but they'd have horrible marketing. So the book kind of goes bye-bye and, and you don't ever learn about this book. And then I call you after uh, you, you mentioned not only that you really enjoyed my book, but you said uh, of, of all the 50 books in your library, or I think you said 52 of all those books in your library, right. this really fit in as a, as a nice admin. There, there wasn't one author that had written this particular approach. And I got my wheel spinning immediately that night. And I called you like within a day or two and said, my gosh, what if we actually gave the highlights, but also uh, the accolades to each of these authors and gave them a marketing plan that got all of them in one book. And I think it's going to be a real big game changer for probably 45 of the authors. I know that some of the authors in, in our, uh, that are going to be in the book. And that's, and that's what we hope. We hope we do this first edition, then it goes on, and <clears throat> we continue to give fathers different things. There's a, an older book uh, by Truett Cathy, called Better, Better to Build a Boy Than to Mend a Man. That's kind of part of our hope, is that we get to fathers, encouraging them, so we're helping them when their son or their daughter is young, so they don't have to correct things. It's a very proactive approach, uh, and helping them find out that there is all this in, in, involved. And we've involved a, a lot of guys um, that <clears throat> they've got a great relationship with their dad up, uh, there's a, a book out called Facing the Blitz, and it is uh, by Jeff Kemp. And Jeff Kemp, his father was Senator Kemp. And it's how that generation after generation has passed down. And um, Joe Gibbs is another guy that, that's got a thing out called Get in the Game, how his relationship with his son. And it's, it's changing things. But a lot of a lot of fathers don't know that it's possible that they're going to change this life, and they're not all. They don't all have to be uh, fam- big famous guys that are doing stuff. There's a guy locally here in Southern California called Doing Richards, and he's got a he's got a program called uh, Daddy Doing Work. Not a big star, not a big celebrity, but he's a great. He has daughters, and he puts out stuff of how to how to do that. And it's sometimes it's common sense. It's sometimes it's just a way to encourage your your children while you spend time with them and be present. I want to say that uh, we had a three hour conversation last night, and that three hour conversation is going to be like trying to milk that down to this uh, twenty minutes that we have left. And I just want to make sure we talk about you too, Wayne. Uh, what was it that caused you to have such a focus on fatherhood? Tell tell us about. Uh, how your father was and, and what, what the inspiration was that caused fatherhood one. I had a really great relationship with my father and, um, but just typical challenges of growing up and challenge, you know, teenage years and everything. But I always knew I could talk to my dad, even though we don't agree. So that went on until I went out on my own and got through college and everything. And I, I basically called my dad once a month from the time I was 35 and, and uh, we, we lost my dad this past year. 
but every month I had that talk with them. It was those ongoing talks that said, that's what I want with my sons. So with my sons, I continued to do that, to engage them where they were, to talk with them, not at them. And sometimes you still have to be the parent. You can't be their friend. But that encouragement over a long period of time, that safe place to go and talk, that's what I had. And then so at, at one point I said, I, I want to do more to give back. My businesses were well, and I uh, met Matt Casto, and he told me about what he wanted to do, and that's how it expanded into making us part of this fatherhood movement that's not just here in here locally in Southern California. It's all the way across the United States. We have uh, people in Eastern Europe we're working with and in Australia. Uh, so it's a big movement when we get guys involved. And it was something I didn't even expect. I, I, I was a father because I was, supposed to, I was supposed to be. I had my father's example, so I knew what I was supposed to do. Not, not not every father had that example. So we try to give him the things that maybe he didn't get or how to, how to do it. And that it didn't have to be this overwhelming, I'm not sure. It was taking things. We have a saying that says we take things and put them into simple, man-sized, small bites. And give you and give you the ways to do it. So we take stuff out of all of these authors' books and encourage men in those those simple tasks and how how it can be that you don't know when the easiest thing you did. I think I did the most with my sons, either throwing the football or shooting baskets or throwing a baseball back and forth. When you gave those tidbits of encouragement, when they didn't even know that you were teaching them good values and how to move on and how to be encouraged and you know you were giving them them to them and my father had done that with me well before we go into uh one of my favorite uh points you made last night which was that the most important role you have when you become a father is the role of fatherhood and you had mentioned joe biden how often he mentions it and um barack obama i I just want to say that my father uh had i not had someone really to guide me. I, I don't think I would be the person I am. He taught me that the, the number one, but really the only asset you really have is your character. And the second thing he, he shared with me was, hey, if you ever uh, wonder if drugs are good, because a lot of people say, hey, I just want to try drugs. He says, I can, I can save you a lot of the guesswork. Drugs are great. That's why people try them. That's why people get hooked on them. He says, if you want to throw your life away and you want to get hooked on them, go ahead and do it, but don't do it under my roof. And you can and at this point, you can promise me that you're never going to try drugs. And I actually had to promise him, and I kept that promise. And it was it was aligned with the character part, but it was also aligned with him saying, I'll never trust you again if you break that one, if you break that promise. So when we had mentioned uh, in our conversation that's being the biggest role and, and so much that how much I agree with you, I think that's going to be one of the things that we're able to bring out in this shortcut book. And, and hopefully we'll get people like Joe Biden and Barack Obama talk about that role. Yeah, when you when you see men that are really moving and doing something different, it doesn't matter if it's that, that the, the, the basketball store like Chris Paul or Steph Curry, and you see, you know, people like the vice president and the president, but they're always saying something about their children, their family, 
and you see that that's, that is one of their greatest focuses of their life, and they make it important, you can see that they're bigger than whatever the celebrity fame part is about in their life. They're thinking about what they're going to be to that child later in life. And there's no more important position for any of these really famous guys. Uh, LeBron James is another one that really speaks a lot about about being a father and why it's important. And, and their kind of their celebrity fame kind of stuff hat is taken off. And you see some of the most famous, powerful people in some of our communities humbled by the fact that fatherhood is hard. And sometimes they have to reach to, to other men or the inspiration from people they've known, whether it's a coach or another father or a mentor, and that's the thing that encouraged them. So we need to always encourage other men to, that this part's important. <clears throat> and you may not even get recognized for being a good father, but you keep doing it for the children of the next generation. So true. And I, I was going to say that one of the things I, I learned from my father is that even though he might not have the best experience with something, that he would say to me, you know, just because this experience wasn't great for me doesn't mean it won't be great for you. And that's really an important role a father takes on is, is helping you uh, be open-minded and not be slanted because you need to experience something. And that was actually the military. He was he didn't make it to the colonel's list in the military. And so the rift at that point is that, hey, sorry, Charlie, uh, your, your, your career's over. And, and I was looking at the military as a way of actually gaining some experience and, and just learning what he had gone through. And when I did that, I, I did agree that that wasn't really the, the career I wanted to make, but I was able to taste it and experience what my dad went through. But I think the biggest thing I got out of the military is the five-point contingency plan. Like, if you're going to be in business and you want to stay in business, you cannot plan for one thing to happen. And if it doesn't happen, that, oh, that's too bad. So I've always thought of almost everything I do in life because of the military as, if this doesn't work, what's the backup plan? What's the backup plan of that backup plan? And in the military, it's five points because you don't know when you're in a, a war situation if three or four of these things are going to get knocked out. You have to go that deep with options. And so I think in the shortcut book, we're actually helping dads think of if this doesn't work, there's another way to, because of all the different personalities that, uh, that a, a child may display or what development level they're at. We, we agree, your- and I know the, in the military, just like if you're planning a, a, a team, you've got the, the people that are putting the team together. I was just on the phone with uh, Joe Pellegrino, who write, wrote Father Says, and we're talking about how you've got to have that executive planning initial to who's going to be there. Then you've got to have great execution. And then <clears throat> when your plan didn't work, what was the backup? And you've got to take and whatever comes at you, you've got to keep playing. You don't get to, oh, my plan didn't work, uh, give up. And I think the military teaches you to do that, too. I think the military teaches you that you've got to, you've got to be able to take that secondary plan, the backup plan, and still execute it to make sure you still come out ahead. Right, and that drill sergeant is actually acting as a father. They're protecting you so when you are sometimes fighting for your life or you're responsible for the lives of others, that you're actually making good decisions. And I think that's why we <clears throat> believe the military, they're, uh, they're so desired for any type of uh, career position because they have the integrity, they have the discipline, 
they're going to be on time. And these are all the things I think that uh, Kirk uh, Chuck would like to actually see complement his movement, the, the, the Gentleman Project. And I'm excited about this book coming out in, uh, just before Father's Day. And we have a lot of work to do, Wayne, but I, I can tell with the team we have we're going to get it all done. I, I wanted to give an opportunity for you to, to mention some of the, the bigger uh, books that you have read on fatherhood and why they were important. But I also wanted to give you an opportunity to mention some of the organizations, because for people that are listening to the show, they may not know, I certainly didn't know there were so many organizations that you could uh, join and uh, come to the events and learn how to be a better father. Would you like to share some of them? Sure. There's an organization called Fatherhood Initiative, uh, Chris Chris Brown and Ryan Sanders. It's a national organization. There is uh, the Dad Summit that happens every year where you can go and uh, attend and meet authors and and other people that are moving in the movement. Um, see the National Center for Fatherhood. There is a couple different resources for fathering through the. Um, there's a Marriage and Relations Resource Center. Uh, actually, Head Start has a great program for for new fathers to encourage them through those years and actually has a piece that they don't talk about very much that encourages fathers to be a part of that, that, that young person, that zero through five-year-old. And that's always a hard time for it. Now, some of these authors are, are, are doing stuff. Ken Canfield has done maybe probably a dozen books, and he was part of the, he was the co-founder for the National Center for Fatherhood. And so it's kinds of deep, you know, research numbers and, Specifics, but people like Ken Canfield and Meg Meager have taken all that super PhD uh, psychiatry stuff and boiled it down to a real practical approach. How do you put that into to practical? Uh, Tony Dungy's got a book called Uncommon. It's a great way to encourage uh, your son uh, to not wanting to be like everybody else. But it's a combination of all these things. Not one size fits all. So I encourage fathers to reach to several sources and reach back to us because we can be a good source to give you to, to uh, the things we know about to encourage you. Because that's like we didn't, we didn't meet all these guys in one session like Kurt and Matt and um, John Finch and people like that. It was over a period of time seeking them out. And then there's all these other guys that have come along throughout throughout my life that encouraged other men to step up and be there. We have a thing that we want you to have your own fatherhood team. It's, it's, it's six other fathers that have kids similar ages of yours, and you do stuff on a regular basis, and you mentor each other. And, and that all helps because men have a tendency to isolate and think they got to do it all by themselves. And then when some crisis comes up, they only have their own experiences and we're, sometimes we, our ego and our pride gets in the way and we don't reach to others. We don't want to tell anybody we don't have all the answers because as a guy, you're supposed to have all the answers. But we, we know in our hearts that's not true. And when we are reaching out to each other, and, and whether it's a book you read or a video you watched or a TED Talk or something like that, some of that inspiration gets you over the hump. I had a question from a female perspective for fatherhood. 
So, uh, Wayne, like, what are some of the things that you would love to see in the book about how, you know, how sons are taught to treat women and how uh, young girls are taught to be able to respect themselves so that they don't allow men to treat them poorly and so that they have the respect to, you know, to, to say, hey, that's not okay for you to talk down to me or to be disrespectful. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. One of the things we did as a part of this, we brought um, women authors uh, like doc, Dr. Meg Meager, uh, that's Strong Fathers and Strong Daughters. Uh, there's uh, Dr. Michelle Watson who wrote uh, What I Really Need to Do. It's about those exact things. We did not do this approach with all the male side of things. We wanted to know from what didn't dad teach you, and Michelle Watson's book is great at that, and it is how do you encourage. You want to encourage your son and your daughter in the ways to treat how women should expect that they should be treated. This is what they learn that mostly from their dad when their dad's engaged. So I wanted to ask you, what was the book that actually uh, inspired you the most? Probably Seven Secrets to Effective Fathering by Ken Canfield. Okay, and then what was the book that inspired you most as a leader? Um, Fatherhood Rising to the Ultimate Challenge by Eden Thomas. Because it was, such, was the, these were such a cross section. Eden Thomas's book had so many people in all walks of life and had some different backgrounds and how they came to knowing that fatherhood was important. And these were, you know, men in different walks of life that had some measure of success that always knew that that fatherhood piece was important. And what are you most proud of as a father? My children. And and what specifically? Uh, They're strong in themselves. They have all come out and tried to do different things. They're not afraid of making a mistake and saying, okay, fall down, dust themselves off, get back up and try it again. Did you have books that you recommended to them that inspired you that you wanted them to read to be equally inspired? Actually, no. I came at my children were all, when I got into this movement, I was kind of doing this as I raised my children kind of through trial and error. We right. read the classics of heroes and and those things with them, but not any of the stuff I've come across. I came across all these books later. I was doing everything by trial and error, hit and miss, and, and that's one of the things why we're so passionate about the movement is because these things are there now and make it easier for you to do it to be mom or dad and 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 have some encouraging from different points, and it makes it simpler. Well, Wayne, we are running out of time, so we want to make sure people know how to reach you. So can you uh, share how they can find you on the Internet as well as reach out to you personally? Yeah, check out our new uh, platform at fatherhood1.atlys.io. It's a new media platform, and you can get to that. It's a free you can subscribe free. Uh, we're having about 125 new contributors putting new stuff on. Um, also, reach out to the gentlemanproject.org 
or okay, and we father, we're going to make sure and we're going to make sure we have all these links and we're going to have you back around Father's Day for the release of the the fatherhood guide uh, shortcuts to being a better father in the 50 book challenge. So thank you very much, Wayne Pettigrew, for coming on the show short notice. You've been amplified, and God bless you for all the things you do. All right, thank you so much, and thanks for all the work you're doing to help us help us in this movement. Thank have a blessed day. Take care. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplify. Be sure to join Ken Rashawn again next Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go get your message heard.